0: It, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Preachy to Coyle. And the Leafs are mulched again.
1: Hello, welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com Mike Cole. Join once again and as always by Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? I'm fine, Mike. How is vacation? vacation? Uh, oh, that's right. See, that's how See? good it was. Is that I yeah. forgot I was on vacation. <laughs>
0: Complete I don't know what uh, that is. I don't, bliss and Bill Ricca.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was puttering around in town. Saw a little bit of Lowell. Saw some Chelmsford. Uh, spent a lot of time in in places like Lowe's and Target. Uh, Fun. Yeah, I built a. Uh, I've mentioned this already, but I, I built a handrail in my house. Uh nice. Only screwed it up a little bit. So you know, well. Uh, all things considered, not necessarily the uh, the beachfront getaway that I, I hope for, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's trying time. Indeed. Um. So we have stuff to talk about today. We do. Uh. Well, I mean, we've had stuff to talk about for the last we have, three months. We've awesome. found things. Yeah. We,
0: it, in the last couple of months, it's been we found things to talk about. Now it's like we actually have things to talk about. That's not just us. BSing. You know? Yeah and the,
1: the unique thing about today and what we'll talk about today and what we're going to talk about is the NHL's CBA extension or whatever you want to call it and uh, how that affects the, the return to play. Um, even if they don't play which is still very much up in the air uh, the news that came out in this last week or so is pretty big for the next four yeah. years in the hockey world so and and beyond even really uh, mm-hmm. with some of the other stuff. So Uh, A lot going on, but let's just start there, and we'll kind of tackle this. uh, We'll we'll get into the new CBA first. Then we'll do some bubble talk. Um, Here and there, we'll kind of mix in how the Bruins are affected by it. But I think, by and large, this is going to be just a a big uh, discussion about the CBA and the return-to-play protocols, which are finally coming into focus, except for one very big part of it that still has yet to be formally announced and may never be formally announced. I think teams are just going to show up in different cities, and the NHL will never ma- announce where. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there.
0: You don't even see reports anymore that are like, oh, the decision might come today. Like, I know, they're yeah. They're just like, uh, who cares? It'll get announced at some point.
1: Even on NHL.com, it, in like their their main news story is the, the hub cities have been yet to be announced. But uh, this – when did this – I don't even remember when this broke. All the days kind of
0: – Last week at some point. I think it was like last – thursday maybe yeah it, it sounds um, like a I lot think, i think espn had it first i think greg wasinski had like kind of out of the clouds that like they yeah. were nearing an agreement a- and then like more and more things started trickling they thought like okay it might have been over the weekend and then it wasn't over the weekend so more and more things kept kind of like details about it like the olympic part and then how right. long it would be for and uh you know the return to play stuff. Like it all just kind of got leaked throughout the last couple of days. And then finally the league just made the announcement that they had the tentative agreement.
1: Yeah. So on Monday the NHL and the NHLPA announced, that was this Monday, a uh, signed memorandum of understanding, which is a nice way of uh, I guess you could call it a, a written handshake uh, to uh, the bargained items including a four-year extension of the CBA as well as phases three and four of the return to to play plan. So uh, what that means, new CBA or same CBA, extended CBA.
0: I'd say extended, right. Labor
1: peace is in our midst. Uh, Labor peace through September, 2026. That is delightful news for hockey fans who have been scorned way too often by work stoppages in the last 20 years. Uh, I think that is the most important thing of this entire uh, situation. Is that the I, it really blows my mind. It, it it, I can't get over how impressive this is. And maybe I'm giving them too much credit, or maybe it's more of a reflection on baseball and football is starting to get there as well. I don't know if you saw the stuff that yeah. came out the other day. It's there's a percolating labor war in football as well, which is very much understandable given you know the the you know the complete gong show that is in the world right now yeah uh, but the nhl said screw it and they they put their heads down uh and they they figured it out <laughs> and to extend it for that long is mind-blowing
0: and it was pretty quiet too right like it's not like we knew since april that they're like oh you know they're gonna use this time to try and work on a new cba and i think what does make it more impressive is there's in in my opinion a hefty amount of people that thought a work stoppage was imminent yeah. um you know once the present air quotes cba was up um so yeah that they did this now pretty much no matter what it was going to look better than what happened with baseball but still the context with which they got this all done that they not that they essentially shoehorned in a broad cba extension into the middle of figuring out a return to play format in a completely unprecedented period of time is really something else and the fact too that it didn't get like like things weren't really leaked good bad or neutral like you really didn't know much was getting out until 10 days ago a week and a half 10 days 14 days um and so it really was impressive work and yeah I think you know there was intent They're not intent, but there was reason for both sides to want to get things done because there is so much uncertainty right now that like if if both sides really came to the negotiating table with cool heads, which it sounded like they did. I mean, there was legitimate reason for them to say, let's just try and take care of things for as long as we can right now and try and get some level of certainty while it's you know available or within reach or let's at least create some.
1: Yeah, it's still, I mean. They did everything that people hoped and expected baseball would be able to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's – they're similar circumstances in terms of a – getting near the end of – like, it, they're getting near the end of the CBA and nobody would have blamed them if they had done the baseball thing and just kind of reworked it for now and figured out how they would split the revenue for the playoffs and then just revisit it when they had to. Yeah, you know, to do it all on the fly, kind of to your point, is it's pretty impressive. And to do it, you know, you and I have sat here for the last few weeks and kind of poked fun at how long it's taken. But we kind of look like idiots in hindsight because if you really think about it, it's damn impressive to do it this quickly.
0: Yeah, and one thing too that kind of makes—I forget if you agree, but at least makes me look like a clown—is I my thing with baseball was that. I kept saying it's just a matter of timing. Like if the NHL slash NBA seasons were starting,
1: yeah. Well, that's right when right when,
0: right. right exactly right when COVID hit, then they would be in the exact same position. It would be as ugly and as contentious as it was. And granted, there is still some truth to that. Maybe in that hockey didn't have to negotiate things from the beginning of the season, but they did managed to kind of quiet a bunch of naysayers or potential detractors in that they were able to do a complete, not overhaul, but they were able to extend the CBA. And they were able to do it by figuring out some pretty big topics, chiefly the Olympics. I mean, when you consider how much of a divide that put between the league and the players union over the last however many years, uh, that they got that done during the middle of all this, uh, again, damn impressive.
1: Yeah, I do wonder, though. On the Olympics, it sounds like a return is likely, uh, as long as the NHL and the IOC can come together on a deal. Uh, 2022 and 2026, uh, it sounds like the NHL might be returning to the Olympics, which is something the players very much wanted. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what the players lost in that negotiation.
0: Right. Maybe it's
1: escrow-related stuff, I have to imagine, because – they had to have made the players had to have made pretty significant financial concessions because i that's it's i still it, it boggles my mind and is very maybe there's some sort of uh clause in there about if they can't have fans next because like there's so much uncertainty you and i mean so you look at the NFL as an example or baseball even as an example of this is like and this again to your point you're just saying about being able to restart it and just finish from the playoffs that's a lot easier than trying to redo an entire season so like right things aren't getting a whole lot better in the grand scope of things and you can't do an 82 game bubble season so they're gonna have some tough decisions to make for the next season maybe even the season after that so i maybe that makes it more impressive maybe that means that there's still a lot we have to learn about this agreement but like I don't know. Like, I guess it's impressive that they're able to to find an agreement knowing that they're going to have things are going to get worse before they get better.
0: Yeah, well, I think that kind of goes back to the thing where what I found to be interesting about or important, I guess, about the timing of the season restart when I was like, are they really going to try and start this thing back up in August? You know, one of the points that I made was I think the further they push off next season, the better them because you're buying yourself more time to at least have a vaccine developed and get people yeah. back into buildings and so I would imagine there is some sort of language in this CBA about what happens if there isn't fans next season or beyond
1: I, but I what, think too- they
0: are trying to push things back as far as they can so that they can try and cram as many games into next season while still possibly having fans
1: I wonder and I hope they learn lessons from baseball to make sure they got that that language ironclad. In terms of – because how big of a – the March 26th agreement was, like, the biggest smoking gun for a few right. weeks in terms of the baseball agreements. And nobody knew what that agreement was. So, the NHL learned anything from baseball. It's that they better have that, you know – that better be in black and white to everybody involved um, yeah. because that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, a few details from uh, – I think it is from Greg Wyshynski. Uh Just some uh, you know, important overarching stuff. Uh, new CBA, is going to be a flat cap for next season, so the cap goes nowhere, which actually is interesting, I guess, in some ways. Could the cap have gone down? I mean, I guess it technically could have.
0: I think they had – it might have been, like, unspoken, but I think there was an agreement or something said that it wasn't going to go below what it was already at. Because that's, that's what – You start to get into dangerous territory there. like the you yeah, no, know. You throw a fit because then you have compliance buyouts and all that. So. Yeah, I mean,
1: football is going to have to deal with that by the sounds of it with their cap. Yeah. It sounds like that cap may legitimately go down. Um, yeah, I just wonder how this maybe changes if they, the, if NHL doesn't get the, uh, the playoffs in because that's a lot of money uh, from TV deals. But uh, so it'll be 81.5 next season, and it'll remain flat until hockey-related revenues reach $4.8 billion, uh, which was the projection for this season before the pause. Um, and then there's salary deferral next season one time salary deferral by the players uh paid back over the course of three seasons beginning in twenty twenty two twenty twenty three capped escrow with holdings each season starting at twenty percent uh, before fall that off. was
0: big hey, that yeah that was
1: huge i mean that's a big big number
0: I think what it is big, but I think when they saw that number, I mean there were insiders not necessarily sourcing things but making you know educated guesses so they probably heard it floated from an yeah. agent or an executive who are saying like 30 35 percent that's true so yeah. i think when you bring it down to 20 the players are like shoot where do we sign
1: and it'll be down to six percent in the last year of the deal so um that yeah i it's, it's gonna be really interesting to see once the details of this come out where it sounds like i don't want to give the owners too much credit because i don't want to be called a bootlicker <laughs> by people on the internet but like I don't know. It's just weird to have a a collective bargaining discussion or negotiation where it seems like everybody kind of was able to put aside egos and find something resembling level footing. You know what I mean? I can see how they got here. Like at least it they it feels like they put forth what was best for the game and actually did what everybody was pleading with baseball to do.
0: Yeah, well you can go down the list and look at things that are like, okay, I can see why the players gave this up but they got that and yeah. vice versa.
1: There there has to be like somebody I hope does a deep dive like a nice long read on behind the scenes in terms of how the negotiations came to be, how they kept it all so quiet yeah. um because but again, keeping
0: like, it quiet was so impressive. Nobody had any idea.
1: Yeah. Uh, no. you know, so. All right. Uh in the other big part of this entire uh agreement and this, you know, whatever is going to come of this is uh, they agreed on the CBA and they agreed on phases three and four of the return to play uh, uh, protocols. So I, and a lot of this was kind of already known, but it has been formalized and just is waiting on on the full ratification and vote, but training camps open July 13th. Uh, Teams will travel to the hub cities on July 26th at hub city. We still don't know for sure. But uh, everybody is operating the assumption that it will be Toronto and Edmonton. Big screw you to America on that one. And I don't really blame them, given how deserved we've handled this pandemic situation. Uh, And games will begin August 1st. Uh, And I think the interesting thing, I guess we can start with the the schedule of games, is that it will be noon, 4, and 8 p.m. local time. So here's where I'm concerned or confused. Well, concerned from somebody who likes to go to bed early uh are they still i uh, and correct me if i'm wrong are they still doing the thing where the east goes to the west and the west comes to the i east? don't
0: think so no they're not okay i don't think i don't think that's the plan
1: all right well then i missed that and I, that is on me as the the host of the ness and bruins podcast and not the, uh to be up on that because that would have sucked having uh, yeah the eight o'clock A ten o'clock, east o'clock east bruins,
0: bruins game eastern or...
1: conference teams sure um, I did think this was interesting. Uh, Bob McKenzie had this in insider trading this week. Uh, the, the, the round-robin seating matchups, which is, you know, the top four teams in each conference, those games will be played at 4 p.m. most likely every day, uh, which makes sense because those games have the least amount of risk of going long. And even if they do go into overtime, they're playing regular season overtime rules. Because part of the problem is, is these guys are going to play noon, 4, and 8 p.m. What happens if you get a three-overtime game at noon, uh, and then that pushes everything back, and so you're starting your final game at 10 Eastern, uh, and that goes three-overtimes. So it's going to be some late nights probably, uh, but they put in those those uh, four-o'clock games as the regular season overtime rules to kind of either speed it up on the front end or the back end. So a mm-hmm. uh, long way of saying we'll be seeing some four-o'clock Bruins games to start this thing off uh, when that begins on August 1st. Um, so that's good. Uh, Frank Cervalli <clears throat> had a big thing about what life in the bubble will be like. We, we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, the players will be tested, or anybody who's going into the bubble will be tested three times in the seven days prior to leaving for the bubble. Uh, when you get there, masks are mandatory. Uh, obviously can be removed when they play, exercising, eating, et cetera. Uh, coaches are not w- required to wear the masks on the bench. Uh, You can leave the bubble, but quarantine is required upon returning. You need four negative tests over a four-day period. Uh, So that's kind of – and families can't – players will be traveling without families until the conference finals or the cup final. Um, So a lot to dig into there, but I don't know how much new stuff is in there. Is there anything that kind of stands out to you just from the overall guidelines
0: of the return to play? The family stuff, I thought they probably would have pushed more for if nothing else, like conference semifinals sure um you know from a human perspective i understand that I, but then you look at baseball and a lot of guys just outright left their families from a pure safety perspective um so i guess i shouldn't be too surprised but no nothing really surprised me all that much i think the nhl was wise uh with the game times to spread them out the way that they did and i mean basically you're getting six games a day right, and from 12 in the afternoon, at least for us in Boston, until, what, midnight? I mean, you're pretty much – it's 12 straight hours of hockey. It's pretty cool. Because it's all local time, right? So, we're two hours ahead of Edmonton, I think. I think they're mountain time. So, I mean, the last game there is going to start at 10 o'clock our time. Um, They just – I tweeted this a a couple hours ago, but, like, I've been – kind of overwhelmed by how well the nhl has been handling things just like generally lately like the only flaw that you've seen from them over the last four months was the draft lottery right otherwise like you know they handled cba negotiations well they've handled their return to play stuff well uh and and now it looks like the scheduling's gonna be smart and i know some of it it was like they just couldn't dodge it because they have to jam in a bunch of games but i mean there's going to be a, a Ton, a very captive audience. I mean, you know how passionate NHL fan bases are and the fact that they're just loading up games six games a day, you know, a little bit of overlap between each of them but really not all that much. Um, you know, that's that's something else. I I think that it was pretty well handled. But otherwise no, nothing really surprised me all that much.
1: No, yeah, there's <clears throat> excuse me, there's uh yeah, I mean, we knew most of this already. You know, we knew July 10th to July 13th was going to be, uh, you know, when they come back. We knew training camp was going to last for two weeks or whatever. There's going to be – I think there are exhibition games in there as well once they arrive, or do they
0: – Yeah, I th- I think that they're still able to do – it's probably only, like – I think it's, like, one exhibition game yeah. because if they – leave for the hub cities on the 26th that's a sunday and the games start the first which is a saturday right so they'll they'll probably have time to get like an exhibition game in and then some practices
1: i have just i admittedly have my wires have become crossed with baseball basketball and hockey while trying to (laughs) uh get going at the same time it'll be interesting to see tell you what i'm interested to see this is the uh the food situation after the NBA turned that into a curve. And M-
0: MLS was a disaster too. Yep.
1: I, so. I think, I don't know. I actually, I don't have an opinion on it. I was going to say, I think they probably do a better job, but maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Huh. Um I guess the NBA thing, it will get better as it goes on. They, they said once, once the bubble is closed, they will, uh, they'll be eating better, but I don't know. Like I've, it's weird to get caught up on that kind of stuff, but I do think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think if you were so
0: living there, it, you'd be caught up with it too. Like, right.
1: Yeah. And it's just like this entire, I mean, we've never seen anything like this. So trying to, to piece all of this together and watch it unfold in real time is fascinating. And it's going to be something that we talk about for generations, which again is something that I always, not to completely railroad this thing, but that is one of those things where you kind of once or twice a week or every few days you kind of sit back and like, Christ almighty, what are we living through right now? This is, yeah. it's like being in history when history is happening. It's a weird uh, sensation. I think from a sports standpoint and a hockey standpoint, that's going to be uh, something that's, you know, hopefully there are uh, hopefully a very good record is kept of this entire thing. Cause it is just such a bizarre and in, in, uh, out there concept. But uh, among that is the, just the life in the bubble. And again, going back to the Sarah piece, like, yeah, I have wrote down a lot of the, the highlights here. Each team can bring up to 52 individuals, yeah. which includes – and that's got to be a wild political uh, exercise to to lay out the 52 people you can bring because that includes ownership, uh, players, coaches, staff, obviously, executives, so your front office, your your managers, your assistant managers, uh, et cetera. You can't bring more than 31 players, uh, but you can also bring a doctor – a security person, uh, a phase four compliance officer, whatever the hell that is,
0: and what? Well, why do the teams have to supply that?
1: That's what I don't understand. Yeah, I maybe there's like a, a liaison,
0: you know? It, to, it must be, but because I was yeah, thinking about that, the league has to help orchestrate that. Yeah,
1: but I was also thinking about it, like somebody has to, literally, like make sure that, you know, assistant coach X, who tests positive, doesn't go back, doesn't leave quarantine until ten days is up or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah that's a lot of kind of keeping track of stuff. So maybe that's what that is. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and also one content creator. I know. So uh, which is also social media or whatever. So that's, you know, that those people become more important than ever. Going back to my point I was just making is like, you know, that's going to be our only real look into this from a team standpoint. Obviously the TV stuff will be going on as well. And I don't know if that's been ironed out yet. Uh, I don't know
0: if it has either.
1: And that's, again, I think you and I might do a little bit of. Uh, I think we'll have more to say about that in the coming weeks leading up to the tournament. Nice tease. Uh, we are efforting uh, certain things. And I think that's, you know, it's, I, I think that, at least for us, it's being in the media, if you want to call it the media, is a, a fascinating thing to consider as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, They'll be staying in the hotels, obviously, quarantine in the hotels. Uh, you can use the gym. You can use the pool. There will be designated walk spaces outside. So if you want to go for a walk, I just think of, like, uh, like our offices in Watertown, which we haven't seen in months. But, like, I just think of, like, walking back and forth between the Nesson offices (laughs) and, like, the Arsenal Mall or whatever, the Watertown Mall. It would just be funny to see, like, uh, you know, Patrice Bertrand just going for his afternoon stroll because he can't take it anymore in the bubble. It's
0: all, like, sectioned off and everything.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. Um, single occupancy rooms for everybody. You don't have a roommate, so that's good. Yeah, that's
0: pretty wild.
1: Yeah, housekeeping every third day. Uh, hotels, hotel bars, restaurants is open with social distancing. Like I said, the pool and the gym are open. Uh, the NHL, according to Sir Volley's report, will plan excursions uh, so guys can go play golf. Etc. I guess that's all they'll probably do like, I don't know what else there is to do In Edmonton and Toronto in which you can keep your social distance So uh, that's good I think that's important for, for these guys Because otherwise they would just drive themselves nuts uh, Let's see here Everybody's getting tested, that's not surprising But everybody would get tested daily with a And nasal it's the nasal swab, nasal swab. They're doing the yeah. nasal swab daily, that sucks
0: I, You know, I think they were doing that In Korea With the Korean Baseball League Like guys are doing it I know that, like, you know, politicians right now are getting the nasal swab all the time. You know, the nasal swab doesn't look particularly pleasant yeah. to me, so I would have a tough time doing that, but, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have gotten it done already, right? And
1: Yeah, but they're doing it every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, to do it every day is, I mean, I, I get it from the standpoint of, like, well, that is considered the most reliable form of testing. But, you know, if I'm a hockey player and I'm looking at, you know, baseball players just spitting into a vial now and be like, why can't I do that instead of getting this Q-tip shoved well, in my nose?
1: if you're a hockey player who wants to play, you look at baseball and just the absolute tire fire that, they, that testing has become already where testers aren't even showing up and you're waiting 24, 48 hours for results and you're, you know, you, you're canceling stuff because you can't just get on the field. Maybe having a, swab shoved up your nose every day isn't the worst thing in the world i don't know yeah um but in in addition to that like the testing also not only just hockey personnel but you know obviously ice crew um housekeeping the hotel bartenders hotel restaurant staff uh you know the uh the room service folks uh I was that like everybody who's going to be in this ball is getting tested every day, which is um,
0: good. Cause you look yeah. at the NBA and they're not testing the Correct. Disney employees in the middle of Florida and Florida. Yeah. Like again, and this, I texted this to you like half joking the other day, but like Gary Bettman might be the best commissioner of the four major sports teams right now. If you're looking at what the leagues are doing, like he's getting them the hell out of the United States. Their testing seems to be now granted. This is all in theory right now. We'll see how it is in practice, but it seems like more – it seems more reliable. The way – the location and the way they plan on controlling the hubs seems more safe for the players. Um, you know, football's a mess. baseball's a mess. Basketball has been fine, but some of their decisions that looked shrewd a few months ago look awful now.
1: I, oh, I meant to make this point, and it's still it's, – I am legitimately stealing a point, but I thought it was such a good – I'm gonna keep saying point that I wanted to bring it up, but it was Mike Felger who you know said on 98.5, like maybe we all owe hockey an apology because we, you and I, have pounded them to an extent about dragging their feet, having no real plan, and it's like, well, your no real plan is our waiting to see how this all unfolds and then having a plan, which is you know, they sat like again, the NBA got its feet you know kissed for. What it was able to do and how quickly it did it, and now it looks like it's a house of cards. Whereas you know the NHL, the NHL just sat back and said, "You know what? We're going to redo our entire everyone. CBA. We're taking those to a different country. So see you later."
0: Yeah. No, it, it's worked out well for them so far, and it's like you know we do our we still have to do it our weekly level of confidence, and it's like if you compare for me, I'm more confident in the hockey seasonal finish than any of the other three major sports right
1: now. Yep. Uh 1,248 tests per day to begin with. They will do 20,000 tests in the first 10 days. And that's where a debate can be had that I'm not really comfortable having right now because I'd rather just stick my head in the sand, admittedly. But we're hearing stories out of places like Texas where you can't get a test. Uh, And that's the kind of thing, like, if I'm the NHL, maybe keep that quiet. Uh, If I'm a sports league, maybe not talk about the testing, even though it is the key to returning because, like, it's always kind of uncomfortable to see the fact that you're going to do 20,000 tests over the course of 10 days and like Joey Amarillo can't get a a test in Texas. So that's tough, but yeah.
0: Another way to look at that if you want is maybe that's incentive for those States to push harder to get their testing in order. I,
1: yeah. And I, I don't want to sound cold, but I agree. Like that's kind of where I'm coming.
0: You know, I don't know. It's like, I I have a hard time believing this again, head in the sand. This might be stupid of me. I have a hard time believing that the NHL accessing tests is preventing the state of Texas from doing it. Like for me, that's in, and you look at it through, you look at it through the lens of who's kind of been running the show and how cavalier they've been in Arizona and Texas and Florida and the like about, you know, COVID in general. And so, you know, I have a hard time thinking that like, oh, well, people can't get a test in Arizona because, or in Texas because, the NHL has. And it's like, people probably weren't going to be able to get a test in Texas or Arizona or Florida because their politicians were being careless.
1: It's a much different conversation in April than it is now. Like, right. Also, you know, you had three months of to get out in front of it and stockpile everything and be ready for it. uh, Which is kind of what the NHL or these sports leagues have done where they've, they've, You know, credit to them. They stopped operating and they said, you know, we're going to wait for this thing to get flattened and then we'll redo our thing uh, when we feel like we have better protocols in place. You know, and that's, they're not on like a state and that sort of, or a province and that kind of decision-making process. And they've all handled it better than say Texas. So, yeah, that's a way uh, for us to reckon with our uh, own self uh, selfish, uh, points of view. (laughs) We just want hockey and (laughs) sports. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, uh, there's no way to say that without sounding short sighted.
1: No. And I, again, another like moral big picture thing is I think that that's important conversation to have. And I think it's, I think it's an important, or it's good to validate that opinion. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to say that I'm not the worst person in the world, but like, think it's okay to want to have sports back, and
0: I think it is too. And it's become so it's become so polarized that it's like you either want COVID to go away or you want sports to come back, and it's like no, no, no. Like they're not mutually exclusive. My thing is all about making sure it's a safe environment for the players, and that you're not going to increase the risk of you know inciting or furthering a public health crisis. Right. And at that point, and you know, we're not bagging on guys for opting out, and so you know, we're, we're all adults, and I've said it. Countless times, it may or may not be true, but I feel like you're probably safer in a hub or a bubble, maybe with the exception of the NBA now, knowing that they're not testing yeah. the Disney employees. The but bubble's not like, very secure. Yeah. With respect to the NHL, I think players are a lot safer in the NHL bubble than they are. It, like, If you're a Dallas Stars player or Florida Panthers or Tampa Bay Lightning and you're in your home city, you're probably much safer going up to Edmonton or uh, Toronto right now and being in a hub than you are in your home city. That's To me, that just seems like reality.
1: Which is why collectively as a continent, and more specifically a country, I don't want to lump Canada in right now, got to get our stuff together before – because, again, this is the point I keep coming back to is it's going to be a hell of a lot easier, and it's not saying it was easy, to restart this season in a bubble than it is to play next season across the continent. So, yeah, let's get this
0: squared away (laughs) You know, well, I think four months to figure it out, but I think that's where you'll see the NHL and the NBA look at baseball and the success it does or does not have right. this year playing at home stadiums without fans. Yep. Because like you look it's worked out okay for like the English Premier League and the Bundesliga, but those are also countries that are in a Correct. you know are in better shape than us. But if baseball can say, No, no, like you know, you won't have fans, but you can play in your home arenas, I think that makes things way more promising for the winter sports leagues for next year.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting not to get on another tangent. Like, maybe NHL realigns for a season, too, kind of like baseball did, where we could be looking at just a whole – which actually would be awesome for <laughs> the Bruins. Like, imagine we'll get, like, ten Bruins-Canadians games next year. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that would be great. Uh, but that is a bridge we must cross when we uh, finally reach it, which time is moving too fast and also so slow uh, at the same time. um but you know august 1st is creeping up on us we have gotten to the most important part of our show what is your level of confidence on a scale of one to ten logan that we will have hockey games played on august 1st a nine hockey league. a what a nine nine
0: i don't want to say anything with complete certainty because you never know what will happen but i am a i am like a 9.9 wow yeah that's so wild.
1: It's, I, I still can't believe that it's actually going to maybe happen. If,
0: I, you know, I was going to say, this is going to sound like a humble brag, but, like, you know, if we hadn't recorded so many podcasts over the course of the last three-plus months, I would be interested in going back and, you know, doing a little line graph and seeing where we've been. Oh, yeah. Where you are, like, a 0.5. I'm a very well, reactionary person when it comes to You are to very feeling. reactionary. I've gotten to know this over the last few years. Well, what, especially I'm when it comes victim to Victim of the that, moment, Mike.
1: Yeah, well, when it comes to something that I want. And I wanted hockey back. And I, I also think that deep down, there's probably part of me that intentionally went with low scores to not get my hopes up, even though I had my hopes up. It's a very – this has turned into a therapy session for me. Anyway, <laughs> um, you're at a 9.9. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I am at a – six, six, five, up from a five, six and a half, I should say.
0: Um, what will you need in order to be up at like an eight or a nine? Do you need like training camps going? Do you need them to like actually relocate to the hubs? The
1: puck drop on August. Oh, Thursday.
0: do you really? Okay. Because yeah. like I we're still
1: – because even when they get up there, that's – there's a level of danger for that first week too. Because what if you get up there? Well, yeah. maybe not. I guess I, I, not.
0: You, you know, it does – I, I would know. have thought they would have gone up to the Hubs earlier, kind of like the NBA still. Yeah. But because if, everybody... if, you, if everyone does training camp and then all of a sudden, you know, you take teams there and a few guys test positive and it ends up like, look at what's happening with the MLS where they're having to, like, postpone all these That's matchups because guys yeah. keep testing positive. Like, that obviously would present an issue. So you would think that they would probably try and do the lion's share of training camp at the Hubs where you know everyone's controlled, but.
1: Yeah, I'm also like terrified of the idea of like we're out there skating on August 1st, you know, pregame warm ups, and the news comes down that like it's run through three other teams that aren't playing that day in that hub. And it's like it turns into the whole NCAA tournament thing or whatever, or the conference tournaments where you have players on the court or the ice, and you're like, what do we do here? And so I'm just concerned of that. So until that, really
0: starts until the Stanley cups in the air. You're yeah. Not, no. And
1: even then, and then the next day I'll be like, this doesn't feel legit. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Again, victim of the moment.
1: So, all right, that's it for, uh, for this week. Uh, I, I could talk about this for hours, but we have other stuff that we have to do. I just think it's so interesting. And, um, if they pull it off, like I've said this all along, if anybody pulls this off, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, football, or all of them at the same time, MLS, the PGA has done a really good job. NASCAR has done a really good job. I mean, you have nothing else to do other than yeah. And they, and it, we can sit back in years from now and say it didn't contribute to more of a spread. It's going to be one of the most impressive things in the history of American sports. It's just every day there seems like there's new news that kind of says this is going to be even more difficult than we anticipated. So uh, I think if we approach it with that, you know, those lens, it, it you know, it, it keeps it in perspective. But it is a hell of a job that they've done so far, and. Uh, you know, we'll see.
0: Well, and unlike baseball, if nothing else, we know that there won't be a work stoppage
1: after all this. Exactly. That's the other thing, right? So, once we get back in uh, the spring of things, we'll know we'll be talking about hockey sooner or later. So, right. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, I think next week with the start of training camp, we're going to talk about actual Bruins hockey and start to preview uh, this entire term.
0: So. Yeah, I think the level of us just – or the time frame of us just – We have bought ourselves enough time. We have bought ourselves. It's good to know we have that in. in.
1: We're all out of money, but we've bought ourselves the time that we need. Uh, That's Logan. I'm Mike. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week on the and Bruins Podcast. Bye-bye.